Good evening. <laughs> I was waiting for Pastor to introduce me, so I will introduce myself. <laughs> it is so good to see all of you all. Um, I see a lot of familiar, uh, committed soldiers in the house tonight, and I love it. You guys are my faithful ones, and I love you guys. Um, so just for the sake of it being recorded, Jacquees Edmonds in front of you here tonight. Yes, I am. I am excited. It has been a long week, and it's only Wednesday. However, I thank God that I am here because there's a lot of people who didn't make it to today. And so I promised God that with every breath that he gave me, I will do my very best to magnify him and glorify him in spite of how I may feel, in spite of what might be going on around me. And you all must feel the same way because you are here tonight. So I thank you humbly again for this opportunity uh, to come before you and to just share with you what God has deposited on the inside of me. Um, that is my privilege and my honor, and I am super, super excited to deliver the finale, I like the way he put that, of this series. It makes it sound like it's this, you know, uh, big uh, crescendo about to come and just, you know, make it happen. So we are. We are closing out the series on your identity and your purpose in Christ Jesus. And as always, I pray and believe that the material um, and the information that you have gotten thus far has equipped you and empowered you to become an active participant in your destiny that God has planned for you. Amen? All right. So I am excited about tonight, and it did take a little bit longer than usual to get it put together. Um, but again, that's just the forces, you know, trying to work against you. But I win, you win, we win, so it's all good. And uh, I got the green light and the thumbs up from pastors, so I believe that it's going to be a blessing and minister to you tonight. So basically, um, what I wanted to do tonight was bring you what I have titled Golden Nuggets of Revelation. And basically, I, you know, termed it that way because I wanted to compile um, the information that I believe is going to sort of elevate and highlight and put a big red bow on all of the information that we've learned up until this point in these last three weeks about who we are, what we have, what we can do in Christ, and what our purpose ultimately is while we are here on the earth. So there isn't necessarily a theme. We're going to kind of go up and down and around the bend, and I believe that hopefully every single point that we do cover tonight is going to be something that ministers to you in a way that elevates, again, your understanding of who God is and who you are to him. Okay? So you guys ready? I'm ready to jump right in this. So with that being said, the way this is going to go is we're going to, there's going to be a lot of slides tonight, so you guys just stay with me because we're going to flip through a lot of them, and each one is going to have its own individual um, point that I want to share with you. Again, things that God has just sort of brought revelation to me, and if it's been brought to me, my job is to then bring it to you, and then I'll give you a heads up on what your accountability assignment is going to be at the end. Your job is then going to be able to take it and then share it with somebody else. Amen? <laughs> All right, so let's get into golden nuggets of revelation. What else can we learn that will help us grow, right? Because that's the purpose. We got to grow. If we're not uh, learning, we're not growing. If we're not growing, we're not fulfilling our purpose. So what else can we learn that will help us grow in our relationship with God? We are going to start tonight 
with, uh-oh, I actually, my little thing is out of order here. Hang on one second. Do-do-do-do-do. All right, we're going to do this manually here and go like this. All right, so we should be able to start with the first slide. There we go, on faith, hope, and love. Right? We all know these three terms. They're so integrated into our society. We see it on plaques and we see it on bumper stickers. And it comes from the scripture right, that says, uh, you know, faith, hope, and love will abide or live forever, but the greatest of these is love. Right? You guys are familiar with this scripture, right? So tonight, the question is, what do you suppose God means when he says that love is the most important thing. And so the first few of these slides is gonna be a question, some of it's kind of a rhetorical question because I'm just gonna answer it for you, but I want you to kind of think about it and then see if your answers kind of match up with what I bring to you tonight. So faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Why do you suppose God says love is the greatest? Well, when I asked that question to him, what he revealed, remember we're talking about revelation, what he revealed to me is that God is love, right? He abides forever. He is unchanging. He is eternal. So therefore, when you and I get to meet him face to face in heaven, at that point, we will no longer need hope in him. We will no longer need faith in him, because we will be standing face to face with him, right? And so love, God, is the only thing that will remain for eternity. Hope and faith are for the here and now, okay? Love is forever, amen? Okay, and so it's not to disregard in any way, hope and faith. Those are what we need in the earth to get us through. But the greatest of these, the most important thing, is love because God himself is love. And the only thing we need and will have in heaven is eternal, unchanging, undying, unfailing love. So when he gave me that revelation, I thought that's beautiful, you know? So I wanted to share that with you guys today so that every time now, when you see that scripture, right? Or you see the bumper stickers or you see the plaques, and you're with someone, you'll be able to engage in a dialogue, and you can ask them, so what do you think God meant when he said the greatest of these three is love? And maybe he's revealed to you a different uh, understanding, or maybe he's revealed it to someone else a different understanding. We can use that to continue to grow. Right now, that is where I'm at, and I wanted to share that with you guys. Okay, so God is love. Love is the greatest of these three. And we had a series uh, a couple months ago about faith, so we understand the importance of faith and hope and how those wonder twins work together for us in the earth. So that is slide number one. Y'all ready to keep the train moving? I'm ready to go. It's going to go quick tonight. All right, so the next one is grace, mercy, and favor. Grace, mercy, and favor. I have these three lumped together because that's what we do sometimes. We talk about these three interchangeably a lot. And what the Lord has taught me is that grace, mercy, and favor are the three ways in which God expresses his love towards us. It's so awesome. It is 
the three ways in which God expresses his love to us. So the question then becomes, what's the difference? Right? What's the difference? We should know the difference between grace, mercy, and favor. And so I want to share with you guys some information, some revelation that God gave me about those differences. All right. So, and again, you may have heard this before. It may be new to you. But what I've come to learn is that grace, right, we are saved by grace, right, through faith, right? So grace, if we're talking about three ways in which God expresses his love, grace, mercy, and favor, grace is when God gives us something good that we do not deserve, right? So if we were saved by grace, we didn't deserve salvation. It was the free gift of God, amen? Okay, so grace is because I know a lot of you guys are taking notes. Grace is when God gives us something good, even when we don't deserve it. That's one way in which he expresses his love towards us. So then you might ask, well, what is mercy then? Right? Well, mercy is when what we deserve is something bad and God doesn't give us what we deserve, okay? So let's just say we deserved because of the sin that we were born into to go to hell, but his mercy, right, kept us from that. So mercy is when God withholds the bad that you do deserve. Maybe you messed up and you missed it and you know you did and you say, Lord, forgive me. What we're asking for in that particular situation is mercy. Please, you know, don't give me what I deserve. Um, give me another chance even though I don't deserve it. You guys know like in a uh, standard courtroom when a, let's say a, a defendant asks the judge, right, to have mercy on them, Let's say their sentence was 25 years to life, but the judge decided to have mercy on them and only gave them five to 10, even though they deserved 25 to life. So there's a lot of ways in which mercy is expressed uh, to us from God every day where the consequences of our own actions don't pend out the severity that it should because God took mercy on us. Is that kind of clear with that distinction in that? And then grace, again, just to kind of go back, is like, let's say, you know, God just out of the lovingness of his heart decided to bless you with something and you didn't even do anything to, to get that, right? That's just grace. That's just his love giving you something good, which brings me to favor, okay? Favor is the third way in which God expresses his love towards us. And that's when good things do happen to you because you do deserve, quote unquote, them, because you've been walking in obedience to what God has asked you to do. So the way God set the system up is, you know, a system of rewards and consequences, basically. Um, and so if the favor of God is on your life and good things are happening to you, you can ask yourself, well, 
have I been walking in obedience to what God has told me to do, you know? And if so, then I would say that what I'm experiencing, this good thing that I'm experiencing, this is God's favor. But let's say I know I've, I've missed it, and I know I haven't been doing what God has told me to do, but yet I still get that good thing, that's the grace, okay? So we want to be in God's grace and in his favor, and when we miss both of those, thank God his mercy's there. Amen? You guys get that? So this is what covers us every single day, is his unfailing grace, mercy, and favor. So no matter what happens, he's got you covered. He's got you covered. Now, the best place to be, based on those definitions, is walking and living in the favor of God, right? Because that means he is pleased with what you're doing, and you are able to encourage and inspire other people to walk in obedience, uh, because in doing so, you know, our first motivation is we do it out of love, but God is good, and he just promises to reward us for our faithfulness to him. Amen? Okay, so that's grace, mercy, and favor, just distinguishing the difference in how God expresses his love to us on a daily basis. And I encourage you guys to examine yourself um, and purpose to walk in the favor of God every day, every day. So let's move to our next point for tonight, and we're going to talk about spiritual intelligences. Spiritual intelligences. This is something that is very important to understand the details about if you want to grow and become spiritually mature. Okay, spiritual intelligence. So I'm going to talk about three different types of spiritual intelligence from the Bible. One is knowledge, one is revelation, and the third one is wisdom. Okay, three different types of spiritual intelligence, knowledge, revelation, and wisdom. So let's talk about the difference between those three. Knowledge, very simply put, knowledge is information, right? Knowledge is when you read a book, you've got knowledge because you've got information. But you don't have revelation until you understand the knowledge or the information, okay? So knowledge is information. Revelation is an understanding of the knowledge. And then... Once you know something and you understand something, once you're able to apply it or operate in it, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. And the word says that wisdom is the highest of all of these three spiritual intelligences because it does no good to know something and understand it and not act on it. Okay, so we want a purpose, again, to pursue a life of of wisdom, you know, operating and walking in wisdom every single day, where we study, right? We come to classes like this, we get the knowledge, and between myself and the Holy Spirit and the people in your life, as you begin to process the information, you're going to get divine understanding, actually, which is revelation. It's not just the natural understanding, it's a divine understanding when we're talking about revelation. And then you're able to appropriately apply what it is that God is saying in his word to your everyday life. And that's the empowerment that allows you to walk in that favor that we talked about, 
Amen? Okay, so this is what I want you guys to be challenging yourself to keep this information uh, on the forefront of your intentions and your purposes every day so that you're not haphazardly going through life, right? We're talking about living with purpose and intention based on our identity and who we know we are. So once we know this, there's a saying that says, once you know better, you can do better, right? So let's do better now that we know better. And if the understanding part of the revelation part is challenging for you, who is it that helps us with that? The Holy Spirit. Yes, he is our revealer. He is our teacher, right? So always, always, always seek the help and petition the Holy Spirit to help you understand the knowledge and then equip you even with the strength and the endurance and the patience and all that stuff that you need to apply it because it's always easier said than done, right? But the more you do it, the better you get at it. The better you get at it. So let's pursue the highest form of spiritual intelligence which is wisdom. All right. So you guys still with me there so far? This is, I forgot to kind of give a disclaimer that it is going to kind of be like a classroom type, you know, session tonight. A lot of things that you'll want to take notes on, but again, it is on the tape. And I pray that it is something that you're able to go back and meditate on, you know, because I don't expect that it's going to all resonate the first time around. But these are just things that I have learned to incorporate on a day-to-day basis that help me live by faith. So, I'm going to move on to my next point tonight. And the next point tonight is going to talk about waiting on God. How many times have we ourselves or someone we know has said, when you ask them what's going on or what's the status, and they'll say, oh, I'm just waiting on God, right? We just, we just waiting on God. Well, one of the things that I first learned <laughs> about waiting uh, is that there's a difference between waiting, there's a difference between being patient, um, and actually, you need patience in order to wait. Sometimes we think that patience is waiting, but patience is waiting with a well attitude or a good attitude. When God taught me that, I was like, oh, I've been missing that one for a long time because I thought that if I was waiting for something, that that just, you know, that's what it meant. He said, well, have you been patient about the way you've been waiting? I said, no, then, he hasn't, then you haven't really been waiting in the biblical term. So let me define for you guys the difference between waiting on God, resting in God, and standing on his word. Because those words sound like places of inactivity, right? Waiting, resting, and standing, they sound like places of inactivity. But let me tell you, they are far from places of inactivity, all right? So, What I have to share with you tonight is this statement here. Waiting on God means that we have to employ patience continually until we see the full, tangible manifestation of his promises. Okay? So, if you are waiting on God, and let me just also say this right here, that sometimes we think we're waiting on him and actually he's the one waiting on us, but that's a whole nother lesson, okay? But if you'd want to wait on God and you're sincere and you're humble about that, make sure that you are employing or practicing patience in the waiting, which means having a positive, good attitude about the waiting until 
you see full, tangible manifestation of what it is that you've been praying for, okay? So that's what waiting is, right? I tell people you should be very busy while you're waiting on God because you're employing patience, right? You're employing faith. You're working on something while you're waiting. It is not a place of inactivity. So then we want to talk about, well, what is resting in God then, right? Because the Bible tells us to rest in God. Another place that is not inactive, resting in God means that we exercise our active trust in him without succumbing to the feelings of stress and anxiety and worry, okay? If you say you're resting in God, but you are stressed out and anxious, you are not resting in God, okay? It is actively, how did I say this here? Actively exercising your trust, your trust in him. So when you say I'm resting in him, you're saying I'm trusting in him. So I'm not letting myself get all bent out of shape while I'm waiting and resting in God. Okay, these are all about how to kind of manage those soulish things, right, that go on while this spiritual thing is taking place behind the scenes here. So resting in God means exercise active trust, active trust in him without succumbing. It's not that you're not going to feel the stress, the anxiety, and the worry, but don't succumb to it. Don't let it take over or override the fact that you are resting in God. And I would even go as far as to say um, that there is a peace there that you should still feel when you're resting in God. Okay? That's resting. So then what about standing? Another seemingly fixed term, standing on the word. That just simply means that we choose never to waver from declaring that his word is truth. And it is ultimately the final authority in which we believe and govern our decisions by. Okay? So if you're standing on the word, but then something happens that makes you, when, you know, when it's sort of like standing on it, now you're off of it because now you're too in your feelings. For all my young people who know what that song is on the radio, I guess, or something like, don't be in your feelings. You need to be in the word. Okay? You need to be in the word. You need to be standing immovable, unwavering off of the truth. I don't know if you guys recall this, but back in, I believe, in our faith section, uh, I talked about the difference between what is truth and what is fact. Okay, and there may be a lot of facts going on in our lives, a lot of circumstances that don't line up with the truth of God's word. But we don't stand on that. We don't put our energy, our focus, and our attention on those facts. We put it on the word of God. And that's something we're going to see later on in some of the slides here tonight about how we do that. But I just want you guys to know that standing, again, in order to stand immovable, remember how I said it's not a place of inactivity? There is a lot that you have to do to keep yourself standing or planted, right? And that's reading, writing, journaling, listening to praise and music, whatever it is you need to do to keep yourself from, like, the, uh, I love the, 
analogy of the palm trees, right, or the trees rooted, that no matter which way the wind blows or whatever, their roots are so deep that they're not moving. All the rest of this out here might be moving, but they don't move. So we don't move. We may bend, but we don't break. So this is what we do. We stand on the word, okay? So all of those things, just to bring you revelation and insight about, oh, yeah, that's not a passive term, waiting, resting, or standing on God's word. Those are very powerful and active words that are going to bring manifestation. And I don't know about you guys, but I can assume that we all want manifestation, right? Okay, so again, let's keep going here. We got a lot of good information that I pray resonates you. So I want to shift your focus tonight. This is our next slide. Shift your focus. What do I mean by that? All right, day to day, you know, life is pulling and tugging on you in every single direction. But whatever you give your attention to the most, that's what you empower. Okay, that's what you empower, whatever you give your attention to the most. So these next few slides are simply going to give you points to ponder, something to think about, all right? So what I want you to do is, talking about shifting your focus, don't focus on the pain. If you're going through pain, focus on the promise, okay? Don't focus on the process. Focus on the promise. No matter what you do, our focus needs to be on the promise. Again, stuff may come, but we don't have to give it all of our attention. I may acknowledge that, like, for instance, I'll just be transparent with you guys. Again, I think this is this entire series the enemy has tried to attack me with migraine headaches right before I do these, um, these classes. And if I were to focus on how much pain I was in prior to this versus focusing on the promise that I am already healed by the blood in Jesus, I wouldn't be able to be standing here, okay? And so I continuously focus on the promise. I don't even focus on the process, and I certainly don't focus on the pain. So whatever you give your attention to, ladies and gentlemen, the most, that is what carries the most power, right? And so you can probably examine yourself right now and think about if there's something in your life right now that has been consuming you, it's probably because you've been thinking about it too much. You've been meditating on it too much. If it's a negative thing, hopefully, you know, you're able to shift your focus onto the positive, all right? So shift your focus. Don't focus on the pain. Focus always on the promise. That's simple enough, right? <laughs> yeah, easier said than done. Again, a lot of these are going to be easier said than done. But that's okay. God never promised us that we wouldn't be uncomfortable, and he never promised us that we wouldn't be inconvenienced. But he did promise us that we would see manifestation. So there you go. We're going to keep going through it. All right, so... We are getting through these pretty good here. Let's see what we're going to next. Next, we're going to talk about confessions. Okay, all of these things are going to be knowledge and revelation that's hopefully giving you guys understanding. Confessions, confessions. What I like to say about this is that your life, right, is never going to rise above the level 
of your confession of faith. So speak life always. Your life is never going to rise above the level of your confession of faith. So if you want to go higher, you got to speak higher, right? Okay? And again, all we got to do is speak the word. God's given us what we need right there. When you don't know what to say, go to the word. But what you shouldn't be doing is saying things like, I'm just sick and tired. I'm just so sick and tired. I'm sick and tired. I'm telling you, I'm sick and tired. Well, guess what? When you see little Susie Joe, whoever, every time, every, time, every time I see you, you're just sick and tired. Well, that's because she always says she's sick and tired. Watch your mouth. Like we, you know, again, remember I've, I've been saying this too about how we can't treat so casually the word of God, right? And, and these things that we're learning here, because the little things, that's all the enemy needs. It's just a little crack in the back door and he's swooping in, right? So I stopped saying that. You know what else I stopped saying? I love so-and-so to death. Like, we just get caught up in these things that we just say, and I'm not, you know, I don't know anything about what anybody in the room is thinking or saying right now, but I encourage you, don't say that, because you really don't mean that. So say what you mean. So now I say I love that person to life, and life more abundantly. Doesn't that sound good? Like, that's what we want to say. We don't want to continue to say, oh, this is just too hard. Oh, this is just too hard. Oh, this is just too hard. I have a person that I'm working with right now. Bless her heart. She's got herself back in school. You know, you know how hard that is to, see? You know how hard that is to go back to school, but that's all she focused on was how hard it was. So every time we sat down, it was, oh, this is so hard. Oh, okay, how about, and it was the very first scripture she learned, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I didn't see hard anywhere in that. So we took that out of our vocabulary, okay? It's not too hard. You have to watch what you are saying. So the point to ponder is that what you say about you needs to be what God says about you. That's what you need to say about you. I tell people all the time about retraining our internal dialogue, right? Because again, what we say about ourselves we believe more than what other people say about us. So that's what's most important. It doesn't matter what anybody else says, but what do you say about you? Well, what you say about you needs to be what God says about you. And at the beginning of this series, we learned who we are in Christ and what God says about us. So if you forgot, go back and remember or look it up and study it because that's what's important. Your confessions of faith are going to bring manifestation of God's promises. Good stuff? All right, all right, all right, all right. So it's not too hard. We're going to find new ways to reframe our words so we're not complaining all the time, okay? Because then we like to say stuff like, well, the devil made me do it, and the devil keep messing with me, and the devil this and the devil that. And I don't know, some stuff just is just you not doing what you're supposed to do or me not doing what I'm supposed to do. So let's not give him that much credit, okay? All right, so... Let's move on. <laughs> ah, lovely, lovely. I want to talk about restoration next. All right, I want to talk about restoration because restoration is beautiful. When I learned how deep my understanding could go and hopefully your understanding goes about restoration, we know that God is a God of restoration. But what does that really mean? What does that really mean, God is a God of restoration? Well, 
What I've learned from experience is that restoration is not just about replacing what was lost. It's about providing you an increase above what was lost. Right? Okay? God says that he's going to grant you double for your trouble, and he's going to make that enemy pay a sevenfold recompense for anything that he has ever stolen from you. Now, I'm going to pause and slow down on this section right here because this is something that I know all of us can apply to real-life situations right here today because we've all experienced what we perceive to be a loss. But we're not going to focus on that loss, right? We're going to focus on the, re the promise, and the promise is restoration. So God says, let me tell you, and again, when I have read and reread and reread the book of Job, this is where more of this revelation is coming from. It means that if God has allowed, not necessarily caused, if he allows any form of loss in your life, it's only because he intends to take what the enemy meant for bad and use it for your good, okay? He absolutely will take what the enemy meant for bad and use it for your good. So restoration, what you need to remember about that is double for your trouble and sevenfold recompense. I make a list. I make a list of everything that, for whatever reason, the devil has stolen from me. And I say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You just shouldn't have done that because now I get to stand, right, on the promise that says you're going to have to pay me back seven times what, I, what you took from me. And then, again, because this is how good God is, then God said, okay, don't worry about that dumb devil no more. Come over here to me, and I'm going to give you double blessing for your trouble. I said, wow, that is amazing. So there's no reason for me to have a pity party. There's no reason for me to be sad. If anything, I kind of get a little mad sometimes, you know, at the, at the devil. But then again, I remember, nope, let, let me not give him that energy, right? Let me put my energy into the anticipation of what's coming, of what God has for me, so that I can then, again, share it with someone and encourage them to come out of whatever it is that they're in. So Isaiah 61, uh, 7 is one of the scriptures that I put in there just to kind of uh, have you go back and, and look at that to read God's word for yourself. But the point to ponder on this one is that your seasons of restoration, it puts you in a place better than you were when the loss occurred. So keep going, okay? Keep going. There is better coming. And I always say that now. I don't know how many of you guys are actively working. Um, I happen to be in business for myself, and I know for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's hard. And the world will tell you to like, you know, to grind, right? And go after that sale and go after that client and do this and do that. And it's, uh, you know, rejection after rejection after rejection sometimes. And I had to make a decision before even getting into all of that, how I would deal with that rejection. I always just looked at it and said, you know what? What God has for me is for me. So if something is allowed to not come my way or to leave or whatever it is, I'm not going to go running after it. I'm not going to go chasing after it. It's okay. God's got something better for me. And I just have to truly believe that. You have to truly believe that. And he's faithful. I'm telling you, he's never, ever, ever failed on that promise, right? I've seen, again, things happen. We live in a world where things are going to happen. But don't just settle for that thing happening and not endure to get your restoration. So I've watched people, you know, let's say, um, 
lose a home, let's just say, unfortunately, for whatever reason. And they stuck with the promise of God of restoration, and maybe they lost that one-bedroom, one-bathroom home. And guess what God did? He restored them with a four-bedroom, four-bathroom home, right? You think they worried about that one-bedroom, one-bathroom? Nope. They're focused on what they got right now, which is their restoration. And so I love that nothing, and, and I guess I say this a lot, that truly nothing to a believer is actually a loss. Everything is a gain, because God can make all things work out for your good. Amen? All right, so just, again, think about these things. Think about what you're experiencing in your own life right now and how you can apply these principles here tonight. All right. So, you guys got that point there with restoration? We are good. We are expecting our double reward and our sevenfold recompense. I'm just declaring it over and over so the enemy knows and hears it from the pulpit tonight that we are declaring it. Amen. All right, let's go. Now we want to talk about receiving the promise in more detail. Receiving the promise of manifestation. One of the things that, again, as we grow more mature in our spiritual life with God, we understand that there's different levels to this thing. And so what I like to say is that in order to receive the promise, you've got to be both prepared and positioned to receive the promise. At least that's what I learned from my experience. There were a lot of things that God promised me that at the time I couldn't understand why the promise hadn't manifested. Well, one of two things, either A, I wasn't prepared to receive it, okay? I don't know how many of you would be prepared to know what to do with $5 million if God just dropped it in your bank account right now. But based on our daily habits of how we deal with money sometimes, we, we got a lot of more preparation to do. Let's just be honest, some of us, you know? Some of us are not positioned yet to receive the promise, right? Sometimes we're over here in left field, and the promise is over there in right field, but, you know, we're stubborn and we're hard-headed and we're slow learners. So until we get in position, the right position, the promise is there. It's not going anywhere. But we need to be in the right position to receive it. So being prepared and being positioned is very important for receiving the promises of God. And the point to ponder with that one, ladies and gentlemen, is that your spiritual posture and your spiritual perspective must line up with the Word of God. These are a bunch of P's in this particular slide here. If you look at it, we're talking about promises and process and preparedness and positioning, posture and perspective. Whew, that's a lot of P's, right? But it's all good stuff. So examine yourself again. What's your spiritual posture? You know, are you saying one thing with your mouth but your countenance and your demeanor contradicts that, you know? If you are a man or a woman of faith and you're saying you're believing God for something and every single day you're down and you're boohooing or you're doing the negative talk and you're doing it, your spiritual posture is not lined up right, okay? And your perspective, your spiritual perspective, again, how you see what's going on, do you see it by faith? Or is doubt, you know, contaminating that perspective? So 
those things are really important that I want us to know because, again, a lot of times we're asking, God, why, God, why? When, God, when? You know, and he's just saying, well, let's just back it up and walk through the process. Are you ready? No. Are you positioned? No. Okay, let's back it up, right, and let's get this thing going because I tell you, one of the things, you know, and I'm not sure exactly where it is in the word, but I know, oh, well, the, the scripture tells us that God's word will not return unto him void, right? So that means whatever he said, he fully intends to make it come to pass. Again, no matter which way we're going, if he got to pick us back up and redirect us again, remember, grace, mercy, and favor, there's all working together to bring about the promise of God. So check your posture. Straighten up, right? Get into position. Be ready to receive what you've been confessing. All right, all right. Good stuff, no? All right. Okay, guys, let's keep going. Let's talk about discernment. Ooh, let's talk about discernment. A very fancy word that just simply means spiritual enlightenment, okay? But, again, it's not haphazard or casual. It's vitally necessary to live by faith. We got to know what to say yes to and what to say no to, right? It's vitally unnecessary to our living by faith. Discernment, having spiritual enlightenment, knowing what to say yes to, what to say no to. We got to know what is right versus what seems right. Hmm, discernment, okay? Because the word says there's a way that seems right to a man, right? But unless you have discernment from the Holy Spirit, you're going to deceive yourself, okay? So the point to ponder on this one, this one was a good one for me to learn (laughs) growing up. Not everything that comes to you is for you. Think about that. Not everything that comes to you is meant for you. So you've got to be able to discern, God, is this what you want from me? Or maybe, again, that dumb devil is acting up, that, sheep, or that wolf in sheep's clothing has come, right, to deceive you. You've got to have that spiritual enlightenment, that discernment, you know. There, uh, the other day, the UPS guy came knocking on my door, dropped off a package. What came to me, though, wasn't for me. It's supposed to actually go for my, to my neighbor. Had I received what did not belong to me, I could have gotten myself in a lot of trouble, depending on, you know, just to put it in perspective with what we're talking about here today. So all I'm saying is examine the things that are coming to you in your life and ask God. Ask God. We don't ask God enough, right? We just assume we know everything. <laughs> you know, we don't uh, inquire of the Lord enough. Maybe on the big things we do. But we got to do that on the little things, too. So not everything that comes to you is for you, and not every, some people may not agree with me, but not every good idea is a God-inspired idea. And you may not necessarily have bad things happening, you know, if you follow a good idea, but you may not arrive at your full destiny unless it's a God-inspired idea. I want God-inspired ideas. I don't want just good ideas. Because then those are just, you know, my ideas. It's going to give me the average. 
And I don't want average. I don't want mediocre. I want what God wants for me. So again, petitioning the Holy Spirit and asking, is this what you want me to do? Is this where you want me to go? Is this what you want me to say? These are the things we got to know. The difference between what is a good idea, you know, again, being in business, there's a lot of people who have opinions about good ideas I should be doing, right? Oh my, but had I followed those ideas versus the God-inspired idea that he gave to me specifically, I wouldn't be able to be in the position that I'm in and receive the favor that I've received from God. So you got to sometimes say no to something good in order to get something great, and our God is great. Amen? All right, so that's a point to ponder. Hmm, things that, you guys, I'm going to date myself a little bit here. Uh, you remember the Arsenio Hall show when he said things that make you go, hmm, right? A couple of you guys know that, right? So just think about that. Something to think about. Discernment, very important. We got to ask questions. We got to ask questions so we don't get deceived. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's keep going here. Let's talk about holding our peace on the next slide. Holding our peace. Again, another statement, another term that we use all the time. But do we really know what peace is? Hmm. <laughs> I thought, and I'm sure many people have before we matured as Christians, that peace meant no trouble, the absence of trouble, right? Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of calm in your trouble or in your storms. Okay, so don't get it twisted. I know that might be a gut punch to some people like, oh, darn. I thought when God said he'd give me peace, that he'd take away all my troubles. No, he's going to give you the patience and the endurance to get through your troubles, right? So peace is not the absence of trouble, but do not fear. Peace is the presence of calm. Christ himself, the Holy Spirit, living on the inside of you, even in the midst of your trouble or your storms. So the point to ponder tonight for that one, ladies and gentlemen, is the more you learn to hold your peace or maintain your peace, the less power those storms or that trouble has over destroying your life. Okay, hold your peace, maintain your peace. The best way, I told someone this today, I think, the best way to stick it back to the enemy when he tries to stick it to you is to hold your peace and not let him steal your joy. That's the one thing that's going to ensure that you're going to come out of this thing, you know, again, restored with your peace and your joy. So don't give him that power. Don't give him that power. Hold your peace and then the less those troubles and those storms have power to overtake you or destroy you. But I just wanted to give you guys clarity and revelation understanding about what true, true peace is. You know, sometimes that peace comes from quiet in the house when all the kids are gone or asleep or all that kind of stuff. You know, that's a, that's a, a level of peace, but this is what we're talking about here in regards to trouble. Okay, so it's all good. Don't let him steal your joy. Hold your peace. You guys good with that one? All right, then we will go on. We will go on to talk about who's your rock. 
who's your rock? We know we talk about Jesus is the rock, but sometimes the only way we come to know that Jesus is the rock is when we hit rock bottom, okay? So what this means is that we need to know and remember that in this world, there are many resources, people, places, and things. Those are the resources, but they all stem from the source, which is our God. He funnels that stuff through him. So your job is not your source. Money is not your source. People are not your source. God is your source. Because see, what happens is, is when we put too much faith and trust in people, places, and things, and all that goes away, and we hit rock bottom, right, now we're left empty because all of our dependency was on something that was... Um, unstable, right, and, and subject, subject to change. But when Jesus is your rock, okay, that's when you know. And sometimes, this is the point to ponder here, sometimes God allows us to hit rock bottom just so we can prove to ourselves that he is the rock even in our bottom. It's all you need. He is the rock. So when I went through my quote-unquote wilderness journey, and all of those resources were gone, I still had my source. I still had my rock. So I didn't feel like in the natural sense of what we talk about hitting rock bottom. I knew I was good because I still had that rock even at the bottom. Okay, so that's a little play on words, but it's very important to hopefully change your perspective a little bit. Change your perspective. Make sure you have your faith and trust in the source, which is the rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ. Okay, and again, I know this is something that's easier said than done because we're consumed with these things every single day, but this is why we stay in the word. This is why we stay planted. This is why we continue to uh, study and grow so that we can be reminded of these things. Okay, remind yourself that Christ is your rock, no matter how low you go. All right, so moving on to loyalty and obedience. Hmm, where does this one come in at? Loyalty and obedience. Oftentimes, I found that we get into trouble because we've allowed ourselves to become addicted to being people pleasers more than we are God-pleasers. And that's a bad place to be. That's going to invite trouble into your life. Um, again, we put our faith and our trust in people when God says we're supposed to put our faith and trust in him. You know, we, even those of us who have the best intentions, we're going to let people down sometimes. We're going to disappoint them. Others are going to disappoint us, right? And so, the point to ponder on this one regarding loyalty and obedience is never allow your loyalty to people override your obedience to God. And this one's a hard one. This one's an ongoing, lifelong lesson because, you know, we're, we're rooted so deeply and connected so tightly to our families, our friends, our loved ones, and we should be. But if those individuals, for whatever reason, tend to stray or, again, are requiring and asking of you 
the things that violate what God has told you, we get ourselves into trouble when we try to please them more than we do pleasing God. Our loyalties to people tend to override our obedience to God. And so again, when I use myself as an example, there's a lot of people that I had to say no to because I was saying yes to God. And I promised I would always say yes to him. And they may not understand that, but again, God is faithful to his promise. So the best place, remember we talked about positioning? The best place for you to be is in that yes zone to God, not to people. And if you're having a trouble with that, I just say pray for that alignment. You know, pray that those people align with what you believe God is telling you so that everybody is pleased. <laughs> but if you had to make a choice, I guess the whole point of this here is if you got to make a choice between them and God, you know, even our own selves, we got to say no to ourselves and not please ourselves all the time in order to be obedient to God, right? Forget everybody else. Let's take ownership ourselves. That's a hard thing to do, but that's where the spiritual maturity is demonstrated, is learning how to say no and not be people pleasers, make our loyalty and our obedience to God first and foremost, okay? First and foremost. All right, we are getting through this pretty good here tonight, and what I want to do is give one of my favorite ones. The next one talks about what I call overdraft protection. Wait, I thought we were in a Bible study. What are we talking all this overdraft protection, this, this banking stuff, right? Well, I'm actually talking about your emotional well-being. Emotional well-being is essential to living the abundant life. So the question becomes, what's in your emotional bank? That's my question tonight. What's in your emotional bank? Do you perform the proper checks and balances in your soul on a daily basis to ensure that you aren't trying to put out more than you're taking in? Okay, emotional well-being. Are you putting out more than you're taking in? Is there a proper checks and balances in your soul? So the point to ponder was this. Emotional overdraft is what happens, emotional overdraft is what happens when we make too many withdrawals and not enough deposits, okay? I have someone who always talks about making deposits in their emotional bank, in their relationship, right? Because when they wanna go and make a withdrawal, it's gotta be something in there, okay? So luckily, if we happen to miss it, right, in the natural, if you happen to uh, write a check before you're able to get money in the bank, there's that overdraft protection, right? Well, guess what our spiritual overdraft protection is? The grace of God. The grace of God. Oh, I love it. The grace of God offers emotional overdraft protection for his, for his children. So if you, you know, like me, I, I always, I always got to run a checks and balances on my emotional account because by nature of who I am and by nature of my job, I give out a lot, a lot. But if I don't take in and replenish that and balance that out, right, I'm gonna bust, right? I'm gonna find myself uh, in the red, right? 
And we don't, we don't want that. So I just thought that was a cute point to ponder to let you know that the grace of God is your emotional overdraft protection. But to make sure that you've got uh, yourself under control in order to live the abundant life. Y'all like that one? I like that one. That one's really good. Make deposits into your emotional well-being, especially if there's a lot of people around you taking withdrawals. Okay, so the grace of God is our overdraft protection. Let's go to something that I want to kind of close out with tonight. I thought this was very interesting. You guys know about the serenity prayer, right? Well, I saw this posted online, and it was called the other serenity prayer. And I thought, well, hot dog, that's pretty good. I like this one because this one applies to me. So let me read through what the other serenity prayer is. It says, God, grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly. The courage to forgive myself because I'm working on doing better. And the wisdom to know that you already love me just the way I am. Anybody need that one tonight? I know I need that. I said, oh man, this is, I love when things are just real, you know? It's no fluffing, for, it, this is just straight up real. It's like, God, this is how I really feel right now. You guys know you can talk to God real, right? You don't have to sugarcoat anything. You don't have to package it up all sweet and just come to him with what's on your heart. And sometimes this is what's on our heart. God, grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly. The courage to forgive myself because I am working on doing better. And the wisdom to know that you already love me just the way I am. So I say that if there's anything, there's, there's not anything that you can do to make God stop loving you. Matter of fact, if I say this quote correctly, um, I think it was from Christine Kane. Uh, maybe, no, it's not Christine Kane, but you guys can help me out if you know what it is. She made the quote where it says, if you think that you've spoiled God's plan for your life, my dear friend, you are just not that powerful. Okay, and I wish I could remember just for the tape's sake, what, uh, one of these ladies, uh, her name, uh, but I thought, wow, that's powerful. Because sometimes we do. Sometimes we think, oh man, I screwed it up. You know what, God, I, I know you can't do. There's nothing that we can do to screw it up, okay, or mess it, mess it up. Sorry, I don't know if I'm using too strong of terminology here tonight, but you can't. You, you can't. God is just too great, and his grace and his love are too powerful. You are not that powerful to thwart the plan that God has for your life. He loves you too much, and it doesn't matter how many times you fall or how far you stray, the grace of God and the mercy of God are going to be there so that you can then walk in the favor of God. So at the end of the day, it is always good news. Always, 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 always. So I hope that blesses somebody tonight. It blessed me, and um, I wanted to make sure that I kind of shared that with you as a closing point for everything that we talked about tonight, because there's a lot of things that as you go back through your notes um, or you go back and you listen to the tape, the accountability for tonight, let me go to the conclusion. The accountability for tonight, like I said, is to, um, hold on, this one was all out of order for me. I'll just read it off of here. Take five highlights, your top five, 
highlights. I think there might have been 15, you know, highlights that we went over tonight or so. Take your top five that resonated with you the most, that you feel comfortable enough understanding to be able to share with somebody else who wasn't able to be here tonight so that they too can apply it to their own lives. Take those top five highlights and purpose to uh, work on them with excellence, okay, so that you can then move into the next five, so that this becomes a way of life for you. Because again, this is what I believe is so a deciding factor between where we are and where God wants to take us, is our upping our game and our understanding and our revelation. So these nuggets I gave to you tonight, and some may apply and some may not, but take what matters or what was the most important to you tonight, meditate on it, and share it with someone who may have missed it tonight. Did anybody learn anything new tonight? Just a little bit, okay? Just, you know, it, it's an ongoing thing. I love that God's word is forever giving birth to new revelation. So even what we learned here tonight, God could deposit something else on the inside of our hearts by the time we get to the car or when we lay our head down tonight. You know what's going to influence that? Your expectation. Expect God to speak to you, to give you revelation, to give you understanding, and he will exceed your expectations as he always does. Amen? Awesome, awesome. You guys are always, always such a great, great audience to be with. And um, again, I think that whatever, there's, there's nothing that is accidental in the sense that there is something that God wants to do with these series that have been going on here and in the lives of those of you who have been coming or listening. And again, I want you to raise your level of expectation. Put yourself in position by walking in obedience and watch God work. It ain't over till he comes and he ain't here yet. So we got some more work to do. Amen. All right, so what I'm going to do, ladies and gentlemen, it comes to that time where I'm going to close this out in prayer, and then I will invite Pastor back up for any closing announcements. So let's just go before the Lord tonight once again. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you together on one accord this evening. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory, and all the adoration, Lord God, for what you have done and continue to do daily in our lives. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit that teaches us and leads us and guides us unto all truth, Lord God. We thank you that you are our source for everything that we need, spirit, soul, and body. And so we commit this evening, this class to you, Lord God, that you may be glorified in it. We thank you for helping us to have open ears and receptive hearts to that which you will equip us and empower us to take with us from these four walls and share it with the world. So again, I thank you, Lord, for allowing me the privilege to be your vessel tonight, Lord God. And I just thank you that as we leave here tonight, you've already encamped your angels around about us in complete safety to ensure uh, we arrive home safely. Thank you for a blessed night's sleep in advance, Lord God. We pray over our friends, family, and loved ones, Lord God. Whatever needs there are right now, I just declare by faith that those needs are met. And I thank you, Father God, for this privilege, this opportunity to magnify you, for there is none like you. I just want to pray that everyone in this room, under the sound of my voice, has an assurance of their salvation, Lord God. And if they don't, if you are under the sound of my voice and you are unsure about your salvation, please, please, please inquire with one of us tonight so that you cannot leave here with that type of doubt. And with that being said, in the name of Jesus, everyone said amen.